Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast presented by Dr. Jody Jones DDS. We're part of the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Will Purdue, will talk about Vanderbilt's win over Pitt in basketball. Will appears on the guest line presented by Michael Kendrick of the Kendrick Group. Michael's a local carpenter and a lifelong Vandy fan. He builds bookshelves, cabinets, picture frames, furniture, and made-to-order items, including a display case for my prized Dale Murphy jersey. I've seen Michael's work. He's a true craftsman. If you're in the market for custom woodwork, give Michael a call. That number is 615-830-9458. You can also text him there. Now on to our interview with Will Purdue. Will Purdue joins us. Been a big week for Will. The 1988 Sweet 16 team had a reunion. He got to see his alma mater win in person with a thrilling one-point victory over Pitt. Good night for you, Will. Congratulations on that, and thanks for joining us. Well, Chris, it's uh, again, it's you know, I remember when you reached out to ask me to do this, I, I said, you know, I think I'd like to do this. And I've, you know, I've enjoyed, you know, the time that we've spent together doing these podcasts. So, uh, again, I appreciate you asking me, but you know, it was, it was nice to, to see some guys I hadn't seen in a while, uh, reminisce about, you know, that team back in 88 going to, you know, Lincoln, Nebraska, Detroit, Michigan, and just, you know, that season and, you know, also honoring, you know, Coach Newton and Coach Bostic and Coach Martin and Coach Walters, you know, unfortunately, it, you know, they've all passed away. And But it was just, it was a great couple of days. And I also want to make sure I say thank you to the basketball department and Adele Harris, uh, Chris Griffin with the Black and Gold Club for, you know, really rolling out the red carpet and, uh, you know, making it a great trip. It's just, uh, Everybody definitely left uh, with smiles on their faces on Thursday. How many of your former teammates were there? Um, you know, the majority of them were. It was myself, Barry Goeing, Scott Droud, Steve Grant, Barry Booker, Eric Reed, Derek Wilcox, James Amsler. Um, who am I missing? I remember Frank Cornette couldn't make it because he was out on the West Coast watching his son uh, Luke play. Um, Charles Mays couldn't make it. Uh, he had something going on. So, you know, unfortunately, the whole team was not there. You know, Mike Petroni, assistant coach, was there. Mark Elliott, assistant coach, was there. So, majority of, um, you know, the guys were there. So it was good to, good to see them and also, you know, meet their families and see how everybody's kind of taking different paths to, um, you know, their approach on life. Yeah, well, that's that's most of the team. I'm, I'm really glad you guys were, were able to get together. I, I was not able to be there that night, but I did watch from TV. That was quite an interesting game. Pitt makes a run in the final, I think, 2-15 with an 8 nothing run. Hits a jumper with 15 seconds left to go ahead. And then Tyron Lawrence hits two foul shots with 1.1 seconds left as Vanderbilt gets the win. What a roller coaster ride that one was. 
It, it, you know, it really was. And the interesting thing was, if you think about it, and I didn't even notice, but, you know, the reason why we were there was because we were honoring the 88 team, but that was the year that we beat Pitt, you know, with, on the going shot, I had fouled out. And that was the second game of the home of home. Cause remember they played Pitt last year in Pittsburgh and won handedly. And, um, it was just kind of interesting at halftime. It was what? 34, 34. Yeah. And, and by the I way, remember. Vandy had 20 more shots than Pitt in the first half. And, and what was just a wild box score line of a game. It really was, but also Pitt was shooting over 50% from three. I mean, that's, that's basically what it was, but, um, and also I'd be, uh, be remiss if I didn't mention, um, Mike Collette, who's also another walk on was there. So I wanted to make sure that I made that very clear, but at halftime, Goheen walks up to me and he goes, do you remember what the score was of our game against Pitt in 88 in, in, uh, Nebraska? And I'm like, no, he goes 34, 34. So I was wow, like, that's crazy. How ironic is that? Yeah. So, you know, we, we kept thinking that because of that, as the game went on and it got tight, like you were saying, well, the Vanderbilt was up eight with about three minutes to go and Pitt went on that run, 8-0 run. And, you know, we were like, we're all looking at each other like, this thing's going into overtime. <laughs> yeah. We were just, but... You know, credit to Lawrence for stepping up and hitting two. I mean, and I don't, I'm not sure he hit the rim on either one of those free throws. They were just as smooth as silk. And, you know, we were able to – and I, I will tell you this. We even commented as former players, you know, we all came in on Tuesday. Not everybody was able to go because, like, Eric Reed talked about it. And some guys were like, you know, I got to work. I wasn't able to go to practice on Tuesday. You know, we went to – we went over there on Tuesday and they gave us the facilities tour to see the new locker room. Cause I had not seen it sign the star, you know, go to practice. They went hard at, on practice at, on Tuesday. And even a couple of the guys, while we were at practice, were like, this isn't a usual day before game practice. Cause you know, it's just, this team is, and I think, but I, I think what we saw in that Pittsburgh game, Chris is who this team is, right? They don't really have a lot of shooters. They can't depend on consistently knocking down the three like you saw Pitt do. And they're going to have to just find ways to win. And most notably, I think the best best way to say is you just got to find a way to win ugly. And a lot of times that means you just play harder, your defense is better, and you create uh, opportunities off your defense and you take advantage of the opponent's mistakes. And that's exactly, you know, what Vanderbilt did. And I, and and I, the biggest takeaway for me for that whole game was is, a, how hard they played and you know, how they just, they found a way, quite honestly, I think is the best way to describe it. They found a way to stay in that game. And as well as Pittsburgh shot the ball, they didn't get down. You know, because Pittsburgh always responded whenever Vanderbilt could get, you know, four points out, five points out, in that case, eight points out. But yet they just they just kept chipping away, chipping away, and, you know, found a way to win. Now, they're going to be tested. This We're taping this on Friday morning. They're going to be tested tonight against Grambling. And then, um, actually, they're coming up here next week against North Carolina State, and I'll be going to that game 
you know, as well. But the last thing I'll say in regards to that was, you know, I'm, I'm really happy to see how well Robbins is playing. And I hope that, um, a, and this is, you know, obviously a big man talking about another big man, but I just, I feel like because of their lack of shooting and it's always going to be inconsistent and there are nights when they get hot, I think they just need to use him more and run the offense through him and continue to like old school basketball. As even Goheen talked about, Droud talked about during the game, we do, you know, this team needs to do a better job. And just in my opinion, as they second working inside out, give Robbins a lot of touches, give him the opportunity to make the right play, whether it's to attack the basket or, you know, find the open man on the perimeter. So it's just, um, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this team evolves after. I mean, and, and honestly, that was a big win. I mean, Pittsburgh had won five in a row coming in. So that was a big win for them. So let's see how they evolve from that game forward, starting tonight with Grambling. Will, Liam Robbins is obviously their best player. Do you know what they were trying to accomplish at the start of the year where they had him playing less than half the time and coming off the bench? This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast has been made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. Just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville, but he sees regular folks like you and I as well. What people love about Jody's office is the ambiance. It's relaxing. It's friendly. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. Whether your needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody today. Call him 615-270-2322. See him at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown or the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player and a huge Commodore booster, so go and talk Vandy sports with him while you're there. Go see Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of this podcast because without it, this season would not be possible. No, I I don't. You know, and I watch some of those games and, you know, it's just the one thing I try not to do is question a coaching staff unless I've had an opportunity to talk to them. And, you know, even though we went to practice on, on, uh, Tuesday, even though we, you know, majority of us attended the wind down event after the game, never really talked X's and O's with them. Um, and not because I didn't want to, but just for one reason or another, never got around to that. But I will say, as you just pointed out, that was odd about what it is they're trying to do. Also, you know, guys in the box, when I say box, we were in a sweep there at the game on Wednesday night, commented about how often he was out on the perimeter. But I also, you know, I can honestly say I know why they do that is everybody wants to leave the, the paint open so you can drive and kick. You know, that's kind of what the offense has come. It, it, it mirrors what people are doing on, uh, on the NBA level, drive and kick, drive and kick. But when you drive and kick, you got to have, you got to have shooters on the perimeter. That's kind of what drive and kick is based on. You drive, if the defense doesn't collapse, you take it in and you shoot a layup. It's, a, it's the highest percentage shot there is. And then if they do slide, you find the open man on the perimeter, you make the extra pass, and you get somebody an open three. I mean, that's kind of what 
basketball has become. But if you don't have shooters, that offense isn't going to be very successful. It's going to be very inconsistent. Um, you know, let me, I just had this up. Let me look it up real quick. Here we go. I mean, that's a perfect example. All you got to do is look at the numbers. You know, Pittsburgh shoots 48%, 48 from three. Vanderbilt shoots 40%, 32% from three. And I think that's, unless something changes drastically, that's, you're going to consistently see those type of numbers, you know, when you look at the box score for Vanderbilt games. So what you're going to have to do is what Vanderbilt did. And I'll get to, I'll go full circle here in a second. They out-rebounded Pitt, 39-31. They had fewer turnovers, 11-15, to 15, which, as you talked about, you know, increased – I'd have to go a little farther in the box score – increased the number of field goal attempts. And Vanderbilt had nine steals to only three for Pittsburgh. So you're going to have to continue to, you know, to, to, to win the hustle points, right? And that's just how it's going to work. Points in the paint, Vanderbilt 30, Pitt 12. You're going to have to see numbers like that because of Vanderbilt's inability to consistently knock down the three. You know, second chance points, Vanderbilt 15, Pitt 9. Fast break points, Vandy 7, Pitt 3. You know, now here's the big one. Vandy got 30 points from their bench. And you ask yourself, is that sustainable as well? So you got to play to your strengths. And that's why to take your question full circle, when you sit here and you look at this and you say, okay, Liam Robbins, Liam Robbins played 28 minutes, okay? Nine rebounds, four of them offensive, right? 14 yeah. points and uh, six block shots. Now, is he going to consistently block six shots? No. I think he had a game where he had nine, correct? Yeah. Um... That game out in California. I'm not sure if it was nine, but he's blocked. He is, let's see, I'm looking at Ken Pomeroy right now. He is number seven in the country in block percentage. Yeah. So, I mean, that's huge. So you start asking yourself, what's their, what's their uh, formula for success? And that's why I think that this number of 28 minutes, technically 29, when you round up, honestly, in my opinion, I know it doesn't say – well, it's only three minutes. It's that three minutes is huge. He needs to be up around 32, 33 minutes a game. But the one thing he does have to do is stay, you know, stay out of foul trouble. He only had three in that game. And I know, you know, he's just, he's a big part of this team. Now, this is the player. I think that when he transferred from Minnesota that they thought they were getting, he's healthy. And this is what we're seeing. And I think that he needs to become a bigger part of the offense, you know, quite honestly, just because of what the strengths of this team is and what the weaknesses are. Yeah, he blocked eight at Fresno State. Uh, Two more things that you hit on, and then I probably need to get this into the mailbag pretty quickly because of our time limits today. Bench scoring, part of that was Jordan Wright who came off the bench to score 12. Jordan will normally be starting. Of course, you've got that injury situation yep. there. And hats off to that kid uh, playing through back issues. And I say playing through. Maybe he didn't feel any pain 
Although I'm presuming if he if that were the case, he would have started. But anyway, kudos to that guy for coming through it, giving him a big game. I think he had 12 points, maybe five boards, six assists. I'm not sure he turned the ball over. So Jordan Wright was big in that game. And the three-point shooting you mentioned, basically it's all coming from one guy, Will. You've got Miles Studi, who's shooting an incredible 53% from behind the arc on 31 makes. Nobody else on the team has made more than seven, and nobody with any amount of attempts is hitting over a third of their shots. Uh, that would be Emmanuel Amzong, who is 33.3%, who is exactly one for three. Everybody else is under that 33% mark. Right. And it's just, as I said, when you watched him play, and you if you've seen enough games, you know that's this has now became a become a pattern, right? And so that's why now is I would expect to see and hope to see the offense change a little bit with with now when you know Laura Brown's out there. That's that's what you do because he's not a threat in the paint. You can't throw him the basketball and say, hey, get us a bucket. That's the screen roll portion where he gets his points as he rolls to the basket or he gets his points, you know, off of uh, offensive rebounds or fast breaks. But, you know, he is a vital part. And I think you could actually play him and Liam Robbins together more minutes. They started them both the other night. Yeah, which was interesting. And I think you're going to see more of that as well. You know, as you see, Laura Brown only played 11, 11 and a half minutes, but I think that there's a possibility because of what he provides for them. As we talked about that offensive, that rebounding number, 18 offensive rebounds because of, you know, the inability of Vanderbilt to consistently knock down perimeter shots, most notably threes, you got to start playing to your strengths. And if that is generating offense off second chance opportunities, that's what you got to do. I mean, there were plenty of games in the NBA and nights at Vanderbilt where my best shot was my second shot, meaning I missed the first one, went and got the offensive rebound, and then was able to generate points that way. And if you put those two guys in there, they did an excellent. And I will say this also. Melora Brown does an excellent job of, because like when you look at his numbers, I'd love to see what a stat line is. Melora uh, Brown had two rebounds, right? Two offensive but what I'd like to see is, you know, they keep the stat deflections when you're out on the perimeter and you deflect the ball and, you know, it's under the hustle category and all this stuff. But I'd love to see how many balls that Melora Brown actually keeps alive on both the offense and defensive end in the sense that he keeps it away from the opponent on the defensive end when he can't get it, taps it to one of his teammates or keeps it away from the other teammate. And then he does the same thing on the offensive end. He, he, he he crashes the glass. He keeps balls alive. He doesn't necessarily grasp them. As we said, only two rebounds in 11 minutes, but he keeps them alive and then makes, gives opportunities for his teammates to pick them up and then get another possession and keep the ball away, you know, from your opponent. And as, as we talked about, Vanderbilt was 28 out of 70, right? Pittsburgh was 24 uh, out of 50. Right, yeah. You had 20, 20 more field goal attempts. And if that's the and if you're going to struggle to knock down shots consistently, you're going to have to have 12, 18, 20 more attempts per game than your opponent to really give yourself the best opportunity to win. Yeah, 18 offensive rebounds as opposed to Pitt's 
six that night, and four came from Robbins, four came from Studi. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see where they go from here. I mean, again, I'm a fan, and I talk about, so you think about, okay, we just beat Pitt at home. In my opinion, the best win of the season. And then we can kind of look ahead and be like, well, you know, Pitt just beat North Carolina State last week in their first, you know, on the road in their first uh, ACC game. So let's take care of business against scrambling. And I honestly, I would expect that to be another ugly game because you know what happens on Saturday? Exams start. So I would not be surprised if these guys are somewhat distracted. Those that do go to the game or watch on TV might be like, man, they just don't look interested. This game is sloppy. In the back of their mind, we know what's going on. Exams start Saturday, and they're all next week. That's why they don't play again until the following Saturday in Chicago against North Carolina State. So it's going to be a tough test. I mean, obviously they should win. I think I'm I'm almost almost positive. I'd say 99% sure they will win. But also, I've been there, and I know the distraction that finals can cause. But, you know, I know that this this coaching staff is pushing these guys. They're going hard in practice. I know that uh, after the Grambling game, they'll probably get some time off, probably Saturday and Sunday and back at it on Monday. But they're in a little stretch here where, you know, if they win this Grambling game, coming off um, the Pitts game, and they could somehow find a way to win this North Carolina State game on a neutral floor – you know, I think that now you're headed in the right direction as you get prepared for the SEC schedule. Will, we've got about nine minutes left. I've got a call uh, in nine minutes, and I think you've got to be somewhere, too. So with that, let's grab the mailbag if you're cool with that. Yes, sir. And I will say, let's. I will briefly apologize to our listeners. I know our, you know, we, we're pretty good about going about 50, 55, 60 minutes, being very informative. But with time constraints, as you pointed out, and this being a Friday, we'll do the best we can. And just let our listeners know as we record this around 11 a.m. Central Time on Friday, just so those of you in Nashville can can smile. It is currently raining and snowing at 31 degrees in Chicago. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's just been raining here constantly. <laughs> so yep. uh, looking forward to some snow. Our mailbag is presented by Sutherland & Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call at 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Frida's boss asks, what do you see that Jerry Stackhouse does well and what areas can he improve in building back the program? Well, I the one thing I will say is you know, I think he's done a nice job with you know getting these guys to play hard. Unfortunately for this, you know, it's and I you know, I used to always just hate that argument about guys playing hard. And but he's done that. I think that, you know, when you look at that pit Bandy game, Pitt was the more talented team, in my opinion. Not by a lot, but just from a skill standpoint, they had better basketball players. Okay? But I just thought that because, as we talked about with the hustle stats, Vanderbilt just played harder. 
And that's, that's a skill set, meaning he's got a bunch of guys that are willing to play hard because, you know, they're, they currently, and you can lose players, but they currently have faith that Jerry's doing what's best for them. And the fact that, you know, this is how, you know, that mindset is what this team has to have in order to really have a, a chance to win when they step on the floor. Um, again, as I just mentioned, um, uh, Earlier when we were discussing, I would really like to see Liam Robbins in the post more and have them run the offense through him because I think that's their that's their biggest strength was his ability to score in the post. But also, if he scores a lot and starts becoming a huge threat, teams are going to double team. And I do trust his ability to make the right pass out of the double team and find the open man. Next one here, let's see. There's a couple more on Stackhouse. I'm just trying to think through the time. Okay, this is a little bit of a drill-down question from Ann Arbor on Jerry Stackhouse and, and what you think of his coaching job. He wants you to grade him A through F on game prep, in-game adjustments, and scheme and strategy. All right, let's see here. So, repeat that uh, for me again. Uh, first, first, we'll just go one by one. Game prep, number one. Grade him A through F. I mean, as far as game prep, I'd say, you know, that's a B because that's, that's the other thing is, is that, um, you know, I do – like his coaching staff as far as, you know, the guys that he has. I know that he added uh, Michael Curry, right? Yeah, that's correct. Curry's been there two years now, I believe. Yeah. Right. But also um, Adam uh, Mazzari. Mazzari. How you say it? Yeah, Missouri, yeah, and he, Adam is the one guy that's been with them from the beginning. Well, he and he and Nikki Gross. Right. Nikki's not an assistant technically, but she basically is. You know, I played against Michael Curry, and he was a hard-nosed, blue-collar type guy. And I think that he's helped Jerry instill that into this team. I think he was a good addition. Missouri, I remember him when he was at Memphis. Um, to me, he is the brains of the operation. And what I mean by that is, is I think he does a, a majority of the, the prep, a majority of the scouting, uh, a majority of, um, and that was what we also saw in the pit game as far as, you know, preparing guys in practice, running the plays, talking to them about the defensive structure, how they're going to play their defense. You know, cause that's the one thing you like, you always talk about is, is all right, whose game is this? Meaning, all right, who's who's responsible for breaking down the tape of the opponent? Who's responsible for setting up the scouting report? Who's responsible for setting up the defensive scheme and how you're going to guard the opposing team, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of times, you know, then Jerry takes over and talks about what they need to do offensively or not necessarily, let me just be a little more general. The head coach will then talk about the offensive aspects of what goes on. So, you know, Adam's a big key of that as far as getting this team ready to go. And I liked you know, what I saw in practice, you know, on Tuesday. So I would say a B. Now, let me say something about that in regards to sometimes it's a, it's a, it's, 
you know, you got to put just as much on the players as you do on the coaches. And that's what I meant about the trust aspect. Right now, the players are putting the faith and the trust in this coaching staff, even though they've kind of got off to a rough start about how to play and the scheme. Sometimes you can set up, and this happens in the NBA all the time. I mean, I've, I've witnessed it. I've been part of it. Coach describes a, a, a defensive scheme, and the players just don't follow the directions. They kind of go off on their own path. They're tangent. They go rogue. And then people are like, what is going on? Who set this up? And sometimes this is on the players as much as it is on the coaches. But I think right now, you know, Adam's doing a great job of just putting these guys in a position to succeed if they'll continue to have the trust and do what it, what it is they ask in regards to the defensive scheme and how they want them to play on the defensive end. So that being said, what was the second part of the question? Uh, prep. In-game adjustments was another category, and scheme and strategy was the what was probably the last one. Yeah. Um, let me just answer the in-game. I, it's I can honestly say it's it's hard because you know I can't. This is the first game I watched in person. A couple games I watched on TV, but I am surprised how calm Jerry is throughout the game as he sits on that stool, you know, at Memorial. Um, you know, there's perception and there's reality. The perception is he's not really doing a lot because he just sits on that stool. But what I don't know is what's going on in his mind. I don't know what's going on when he's handing notes back and forth between the assistant coaches when they have to get up off the bench and hand him something, or he motions to him and they come over and he gives something to the assistant coaches. So, you know, the perception is he's not really doing a lot, but in reality, you know, I see him, you know, talking, motioning, drawing on the board during timeouts. So it's, I'd have to honestly, because I'd have to go to more games outside of one, I'd have to give it an incomplete, you know, perception wise and visually, I'd like to see him more, you know, up and at him and, and uh, aggressive. And, but that's a perception thing. That's obviously not his style. So, you know, I think that it's, it's best for me to say incomplete at this point, because I don't want to necessarily, you know, grade him on something that I really can't give you an honest answer about. Okay. Well, we're out of time, unfortunately. Um, I know today was a little bit rushed for both of us, and, and I apologize to our listeners for that, but uh, we're, we're both busy and do the best we can. Will, uh, really happy that you were able to get back to town, see your former teammates, and enjoy a win, and look forward to recording something with you next week, hopefully. Yeah, and let me let me just close it with this. You know, we didn't kind of really wrap up football or anything. And we'll do that at another time. But, you know, I want to say thank you to the fans that showed up. I mean, the, the memories that we all had as former students and players, you know, are happy ones. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. I mean, I can honestly say as a guy that's fortunate enough to win four championships, those were probably the best five years of my life as far as preparing me for the next step in life. I, unlike many, was given a golden opportunity to go to the NBA, but yet now I'm in broadcasting and I'm using my degree. So, you know, I think I made the right choice by going to Vanderbilt and the support I received, not only from my teammates, but former students and the basketball staff and the athletic department, you know, got me to where I am today. But I just, I would like to make a, a, I don't know what the, the correct word is. I'm drawing a blank here, but I would like to 
I would like to challenge the fans or those that maybe consider them Vanderbilt supporters or fans that didn't go to Vanderbilt to possibly take some time and go to a game. Um, you know, it, it wasn't all roses. I, I knew it going in, but I was a little disappointed at the attendance. Um, you know, I know that the, they told us that the student sex, the students on a whole had been pretty supportive, but they, in my opinion, were not there against Pittsburgh. Um, and I was surprised by that. Um, you know, and, and listen, I know that you start winning and that all changes, but that's kind of where you got to walk the fine line. And Chris, I know you got to go, but let me just say it just, you know, whether it's, you know, you sit on a bench seat, whether you sit on a seat with the back on it, you know, whether you have season tickets, there's plenty of tickets available. And I would love for people just to, just to go watch a game, give it a chance. And I know you have many other uh, ways to spend your income, whether it be, you know, Titans tickets, Predators tickets. You know, I know the new soccer team in town, but, you know, these kids need your support. They're working their ass off. And I know, uh, you know, it's, it's a little deflating when you run out of that tunnel and you don't really see a lot of people and realize that, okay, this is on us. We have to create our own energy because we're not going to get any from the crowd. And that's the fine line you walk because you always talk about, hey, if you put a winning product out there, you know, build it and they will come. Well, I know Jerry's trying to build it. It's gone a little slower than we all anticipated and would like. But I think at the same time, they'd, they'd like to see a few more butts in seats. So hopefully this win against Pittsburgh and if they can get a little streak going, will help with that. Will, thanks for joining us. Looking forward to catching you next week. All right, Chris, you got it. Thank you, sir. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk, Michael Kendrick of the Kendrick Group, perfectfranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, vandysports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at vandysports.com. Follow me at chrislee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.